It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And welcome, everyone, to another edition of BAMS Radio here on this early Sunday evening, August the 19th, as we're going to have scrimmage recap number two uh, with the Alabama Crimson Tide and Coach Nick Saban preparing for the 2018 season. I'm your host, Judy Arman, with Thomas Watts, my co-host and producer extraordinaire, does so much as the wizard behind the curtain for BAMS Radio. And our third amigo, of course, as always, William Redfish Barger, from 1989 to 93, a member of the Crimson Tide, all-SEC freshman team uh, at the for, for the University of Alabama and a 1992 national champion. Good evening, gentlemen. William, how are you, sir? Doing great, Drew. How are you doing? Doing well. And, uh, you know, we've, we're all hearing, uh, you know, a lot of buzz coming out of scrimmage number two. Uh, looks like instead of being Spinks Tyson, this was Ali Frazier a little bit uh, between the quarterbacks. They both had, uh, you know, very good days according to what we are hearing. Uh, but uh, the, the most unfortunate news coming out, though, is what happened in Friday's practice. William did not get a confirmation until Nick Saban uh, informed the media and went on one of his classic legendary rants. And that is, unfortunately, a young man that had a great spring and was having a really good fall camp. Chris Allen, ACL out for the season. Once again, the linebacker core being decimated by injuries. Yeah, I mean, it's it's certainly a concern. I mean, I think when you look at the, the fall camp that they've had, um, you know, you lose Terrell Lewis early, you know, Matt Womack last week, and now on Friday, Terrell, I mean, uh, Chris Allen. Um, you know, you just have to hope that, uh, you know, nothing severe happens to uh, Christian Miller and, and Anthony Jennings, and, and now it's, you know, kind of a, a next man up, you know, scenario that I think will probably be a, you know, maybe a combination of, um, you know, in, a, in a, a run situation, maybe Jamie Mosley, but I think the obvious guy that's going to come in and, you know, fill in on obvious pass situations is the true freshman phenom, Ibaye Anoma. I don't think there's any doubt that Anoma is going to be a factor. As a matter of fact, coming from Nick Saban, uh, he did say uh, that Anoma and Jerez Parks uh, you know, it's going to be very important to develop them now. You know, he, he said that Anoma right now can, uh, you know, rush the passer on third down as part of the Rabbits. But the key is he and Jerez Parks have uh, pretty much throughout their high school careers uh, been uh, with their hand in the dirt and rushing the passer and just rushing. They have not had to drop. They have not had to squeeze the quarterback, uh, play, you know, assignment and coverage or contain. And as he said, they make the same mistakes over and over again. Uh, but uh, but he said they're just going to have to be patient and develop the young players. And also, William, uh, thank you for uh, the, you know uh, mentioning Matt Womack as the swing tackle. He is now out for six weeks. He broke the same bone in his foot on Thursday. So the swing tackle would likely be a guy like Scott Lashley, who up to this point honestly has been a disappointment. He's going to have to toughen up. And uh, another injury where they need they need him back. He's not a you know a guy that's going to be. Uh, you know, a superstar playmaker, but he's a program guy that can teach the young players and will be in the right place at the right time. They certainly need Jamie Mosley back from his separated shoulder before Louisville. Yeah, and I think, you know, they've got, you know, Saturday was the last full-scale scrimmage. They'll obviously still go best on best, um, you know, at least next week uh, before they start their, their you know, full-scale, you know, game prep. Um the following Monday, but, you know, I think, you know, the, the, there's, there's more panic, I think, than there needs to be, you know, now if, if something were to happen to either Jennings or Miller or either, you know, Moses or Wilson, then yeah, then maybe that's the time that the, you know, the, the panic needs to come in, but, you know, there's, there's so many talented guys on this squad, um, you know, that might be the way that this thing ends up working out as the season goes on is, you know, you might need the offense to be a little bit more dynamic and explosive and score more points than, you know, just relying on the defense to, you know, constrict everybody out and not give up a lot of points week in and week out. 
Yes, without a doubt. Uh, no question. Uh, you know, and, and it's going to be really interesting to see, you know, how this defense comes along. As I've told people, this is going to have to be a different style of football team, especially after seeing them live yesterday. Uh, you know, we people, uh, you know, had or, you know, when the, 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 the folks that did see that that scrimmage, uh, you know, from talking to, you know, to sources, they it's definitely a team that's deep on offense and experienced and explosive. Uh, you know, from what we're hearing, uh, both quarterbacks, uh, you know, uh, you played well. Uh, Tua, once again, was, uh, you know, outstanding. He kind of got off to a little bit of a slow start from what, we're, what we hear. You know, the first drive, uh, he converted a third and long uh, to Jerry Judy with a perfect throw over the middle. Uh, and then, you know, they were able to drive, you know, get into field goal range. And then, uh, you know, one of the highlights of the scrimmage, from what we hear, Austin Jones, uh, he kicked a 50-yard field goal. And from what I understand, it had room to spare. Uh, so uh, he did a really nice job kicking, making that kick, and that's very encouraging. Uh, certainly, uh, we hear Joseph Belovis. Uh, he also kicked well. He had one short one blocked by Trevon Diggs, but still, overall, place kicker seems to be a pretty good battle. Though, right now, if I had to uh, guess what the roles would be for these guys, it would be Austin Jones being the field goal kicker, uh, and then, uh, you know, maybe uh, Joseph Belovis uh, being the uh, kickoff guy and uh, there'd be a role for both of them but certainly uh, it's been encouraging uh, much better position than they were in a year ago uh, even though Papanastas ended up having a pretty good year uh, certainly and J.K. Scott handled kickoffs and punts but uh, you know I, but I, I thought you know he'd been hearing that you know Jalen Hurts played well uh, he got off to a really good start from what I understand within the first half hour he had like 200 yards passing because he had a deep ball to Jalen Waddle deep ball to a guy like Devonta Smith. Uh, neither one of those were touchdowns from what I understand, but, you know, it set up a short field goal and then a touchdown run of about uh, from a couple yards out from Josh Jacobs. So very encouraging that Jalen played much better because, uh, you know, William, as the, as we uh, talked about last week, he was not very good and probably had his worst scrimmage the week before, but to bounce back and probably have his best scrimmage since a day two years ago, that's pretty significant. And uh, it keeps the conversation going. I do think Tua has won this position because he certainly finished strong yesterday from what we hear. But certainly encouraging that Jalen Hurts came out and played well. Yeah, and I, I think it, you know, it continues the narrative that we've been talking on this podcast for, you know, six months now. Um, I, I expect Tua to take the first snap versus Louisville. Uh, but I do think Jalen's going to play. Um, you know, I don't know how they're going to distribute those reps, but um, like we've talked about, you know, for six months now, that there's really, when, when you look at the schedule, there's really no reason to, um, you know, dictate a full-time starter until maybe Old Miss or even possibly Texas A&M on September the 21st. So, um, you know, I, and I think, you know, having both guys available, you know, creates – you know, more of a problem for opposing uh, defensive coordinators. You know, what what I would, you know, and again, this is just me projecting. You know, nobody's paying me $11 million a year to come up with this thought. But um, what, what my thought would be if I was Nick Saban is, you know, you, you, you bring two out there. Um, and, you know, this, this is if the defense can hold up their end of the bargain, and I certainly think they can through uh, September and October. Um, you know, you get up by 20-something points. Um, you bring the quarterback in that's not going to make the mistakes. Uh, you know, maybe maybe not, you know, throw pick sixes and stuff or, or take, you know, bad sacks like, like Tua has shown that he's done. And then you bring the guy in that's going to, um, you know, run things and, and you know, kind of ride the game out. And, and I think that's a great recipe to have as a, uh, you know, an offensive team going into the season, especially with, um, you know, for the last 11 years, how good the Alabama defense has been. And, uh, you know, that's why I've said all along that despite being the leading candidate for, you know, the Heisman Trophy, uh, like a, like Vegas has two at right now, I think personally, uh, you know, a guy like Damian Harris or one of the other running backs are going to get more touches. Um, and they might end up being the, the, the better Heisman Trophy candidate because we all know, that Nick Saban's not going to let Tua throw the ball 50 times in the first half. Um, that's just not in his DNA. That's not who he is. 
And uh, you saw in the, the national championship game in the second half what the threat of his arm produced, and that was Najee Harris getting 11 yards per carry. It really did. And uh, before we bring Thomas Watson to the conversation, I wanted to say, too, that uh, from what we understand, Jalen Hurts did throw two touchdowns, uh, including one uh, to Jalen Waddell. Uh, and it was a, and, uh, you know, we'll have, we can let Thomas comment on that because Waddell, from what we understand, put on a show. Uh, and then he also, uh, you know, had another uh, touchdown pass later in the scrimmage uh, to Henry Ruggs. But uh, Tua Tungabailoa ended up with three touchdown passes, uh, the only one in red zone work on a nice throw to, uh, to in the back of the end zone to Derek Keefe between two defenders. Keefe makes a sliding catch. Uh, and then he also had just the two best throws, I think, of the, uh, the day. Uh, the dagger to Xavion Marks from about 60 yards out right after Jalen's throw to Henry Ruggs, from what we understand. I think those were back-to-back, according to sources. And then before that, I thought the best uh, from what I was hearing, and that was a post pattern, a perfect one uh, to uh, the, Mr. Jalen Waddle again. But Thomas wanted to bring you into the conversation. We are certainly hearing a lot about Mr. Waddle. He's been someone we've talked about quite a bit, and I just – being, uh, you know, talking to some sources this afternoon before our podcast, the term superstar uh, was used on, on more than one occasion. And again, going off what we hear, it's completely justified. You know, J- Jalen Waddell, yeah, to, to paraphrase William, best offensive player on Alabama's board this past year, comes in and from everything we hear has... If not, if not absolutely running with the ones, he'll be the first or second guy off the bench, depending on the set. You know, Tyrell Shavers, another guy, if you really get into it with the folks that went there, went to the scrimmage yesterday, he saw some run in there. So the other thing we haven't heard, we haven't seen yet, and just, just to clarify for fans, scrimmages, they do punts and kickoffs and whatnot, but it's in shells, just like A-Day. So, you know, no tackling. So you didn't get to see that part of Jalen Waddell's game. But one of the things where he was truly electric being recruited was in that area too. So in terms of, you know, true fre- if you're if you want to pencil in a guy as a true freshman to make a huge contribution to this Alabama offense from multiple facets, multiple, you know, multiple ways of doing things, you know, you should probably pencil in Jalen Waddell there and that's really exciting because the three super sophomores are still around. And, you know, playing off some of the injury news on the defense, this team is starting to feel a little bit, just a little bit, like the 2014 Alabama team that that was thrown for the end zone against Ohio State. And that Ohio State team was really, really good in the first year of the playoff. I don't think that this – I don't think this defense is going to be able to hold teams, you know, to – you know, under 20 like they've done in almost every case over the past three years. I would expect more, you know, potential 45-24 type games. And that's okay because if you – given what we've heard, again, going off sources, this offense has been effective, particularly yesterday when both quarterbacks in the quarterback competition were effective throwing touchdowns, throwing long passes – so, you know, maybe a team like Missouri, who will have a really, really good offense this year behind their quarterback, Drew Locke, maybe they will into Bryant Denny and score 31, 35 points. But this offense could very easily drop 60 on a team like Missouri. So if that's the sort of thing you have to look out, look forward to as an Alabama fan, it's a pretty good spot to be, if you ask me. Yeah, there's no question about it. I mean, as I said, they're going to have to be a different style. They're going to have to play to their offense, score, get up big on teams like those 99 St. Louis Rams that won the Super Bowl, uh, you know, and then play with a lead and play a lot of young players and try to develop their defense because they do have a really good first 11, 12, 13, 14, but they don't have a lot of depth. Uh, and, you know, they're, they're going to need to play those frontline guys and then when they can get them rest, you know, make sure they keep them healthy, especially for the stretch run because we know in the SEC it's certainly going to be a grind. Uh, you know, you're going to have to perhaps potentially play in that SEC championship game, then play in a uh, semifinal and in a, in, a, in a championship game. So Alabama just needs to stay healthy. They've had, a, you know, unbelievably bad luck with their linebackers the last two years that started again. But hopefully they can have some luck going forward. But I wanted to go back to something William said that was very interesting about the running backs. 
Uh, we hear, once again, Josh Jacobs had the best day for the second straight time. A 20-yard touchdown in addition to that two-yard run I already mentioned. Uh, he caught the ball really well. Damian Harris, as expected, only got a few carries. Uh, they know what they have with him. He's going to be the starter. Najee Harris still return, recovering from that foot injury. Should be ready by Louisville from what we hear. But then you saw some with Brian Robinson got some work. I, once again, as we heard last week, Jerome Ford had moments. But I wanted to ask William, William, depending on how quickly uh, Najee Harris is healing, could you could we potentially see them not rush him back and wait maybe until that SEC opener against Ole Miss on the road and then see more out of Josh Jacobs and perhaps Brian Robinson to go along with Damian Harris? What are your thoughts on that? Because we certainly know all these guys are talented. No, I absolutely think that's a possibility. And I, and I think, you know, Thomas touched on something, uh, you know, with Jalen Waddell. I mean, this is something that I always go back to on the, the quote-unquote uh, disappointing 2018 Alabama recruiting class. Um, you, you've seen the guys that were, you know, predicted by the experts already factor in early and often from that class. You know, uh, Jalen Waddell was the number one offensive player on Alabama's board. They got him. Um, you know, Ibaye Anoma was the, the number one overall defensive player on the board. I think he's going to have a huge role on this team this year. I thought he would have one even before the injury to Chris Allen. And then the number one DB in the country and Patrick Sertain, who is already starting to uh, kind of establish dominance at the, you know, the star position the same way that Minka Fitzpatrick did. Um, in 2015, um, you know, that, that, that class last year that a lot of people want to ding and act like it was a disappointment, that, that needs were met. Um, you know, they, they got their number one guy on offense, number one guy on defense, two number one guys on defense, and possibly their, their number one target um, at, at the defensive tackle position in Christian Barrymore. Uh, you know, I think there's been way too much panic by the Alabama fan base. And, and you know, look, I, I don't see the, the same point totals being thrown up um, that, that some other people do. I don't, I don't see this defense giving up 20 to 30 points a game. You know, it's not going to be a, a constrictor defense like 11 um, or last year where they held people to nine points a game. But it's, it's going to be – you know, somewhere between the 14 and maybe the 21-point game, even to an offense like Drew Locke at Missouri. Um, I can tell you right now what's going to happen uh, versus Missouri. Missouri may put up 21 points, but Alabama would be able to run, uh, you know, slant 36 for, you know, 45 points against that team. Um, it's, it's way too early for people to be cashing out and thinking, this is going to be some sort of liability for the Alabama football program. Well, I agree with that. I think this defense will come into its own by midseason, especially if they can keep uh, the top guys healthy, no doubt about that, uh, you know, and then their first unit, because their first unit is still going to be extremely good. I mean, even with these injuries, William already brought up the fact that they've got that foursome uh, of uh, Anthony Jennings and Christian Miller outside, both NFL players, uh, and then two NFL guys, high draft picks, Dylan Moses. Uh, and Mac Wilson thought hearing Mac Wilson and Dylan both were very solid yesterday. Uh, I don't think Miller and Jennings played a lot, uh, but from what I understand, but that's not surprising. Uh, you know, they were trying to develop, you know, Parks and Anoma and get them more and more reps. And, uh, and I think that's what uh, going forward, that's what they're going to try to do, no doubt. But also, William, I wanted to ask you about the offensive line, uh, your, you know, ex your, uh, you know, point of expertise, uh, it sounds like the first group has been was yesterday what we had seen in the media viewing period and, and read about. Uh, it was uh, center Ross Pierce Baker, Jonah Williams left tackle, left guard Lester Cotton. That was expected, but it does look like it's very, very likely at this point for Alex Leatherwood to be at right guard and Jedrick Wills to be at right tackle. And, you know, I think that's probably a good thing for this 2018 team because, you know, you're getting some cross-training over there um, between Leatherwood and Wills. Um, you know, I don't know if that's going to be the permanent lineup because, um, you know, if something were to happen to Jonah Williams like you saw in the national championship game, you know, Leatherwood's going to go back to left tackle. Then you're going to have some shifting there 
you know, on the right side, you know, does, does Will stay at right tackle, maybe a, a fully healthy uh, Matt Womack, depending on when that injury might or may not occur, um, you might see, you know, Will slide into right guard and Womack come in at right tackle. So they've got options there, and I think that's a great thing. Um, you know, if you look at that second-team offensive line um, and how they've repped out during fall camp, I think, to me, the, the, the only really unknown factor there is Scott Lashley. Um, you, you know, I think those other four guys, you know, Casher, uh, Deontay Brown, um, you know, all of them have kind of gotten a lot of first-team reps um, during the, four, the, the course of fall camp. But, you know, the one guy there I think that's still an unknown is um, I, I feel comfortable saying right now if something were to happen to Jonah Williams, they wouldn't answer the call with Scott Lashley. It would be sliding Leatherwood back over to left tackle. But that's a good problem to have because they're building depth. And, you know, they're in uncharted territory right now with the talent and the depth that they have on that offensive line. Um, you know, it's a good thing. It's not a negative. And yeah. uh, however that shakes out over there on the right side, um, you know, I, I always say that I think Leatherwood has got more of the right tackle body and measurables, and, and Jedrick is more um, – he, he's a little bit more compact than, than Leatherwood is. So um, whether, you know, Brent Key decides that one guy's the better right guard or the right tackle, it doesn't really matter to me. Um, where it would come into play is if something were to happen with, with Jonah Williams. Yeah, that's a good point because uh, we could see, uh, as you said, uh, uh, lastly, what right now I guess be the swing tackle, but more than likely it would be Leatherwood to left tackle, uh, and then someone, and then uh, somebody you know along the lines, but Deontay Brown or, or a uh, Josh Casher would be in there at guard uh, since uh, Matt Womack is hurt. If Matt Womack uh, were healthy, you might see uh, Matt Womack at tackle and Jedrick Wills at guard. Uh, but as we've said, he re-injured his foot. They're saying a four- to six-week injury for that young man. We certainly feel for him. He played well last year uh, for the University of Alabama. Uh, and, William, uh, that you, you did mention the number of the twos. Let's go, we'll go for our listeners. From what we understand, the twos along that offensive line, you mentioned most of them. Uh, Chris Owens uh, is the backup at center right now. Uh, the left guard, uh, Josh Kasher. And he's still certainly, of course, a guy that's received first-team reps, as you mentioned. Uh, and then uh, right guard, Deontay Brown. And if he can continue to drop weight, he has a lot of natural talent. Uh, Scott Lashley at left tackle. And then a small surprise at, at right tackle, but this is due to the injury to Matt Womack, who throughout fall camp until this injury this week had been the, uh, the swing tackle and the backup right tackle. It is uh, Tommy Brown, uh, the true freshman from modern-day high school, uh, in California, so his you know development has been accelerated, as William said, trying to develop depth and, of course, uh, potentially losing three starters heading into next season with Ross Piersbaker being a senior, Lester Cotton, and whether or not Jonah Williams returns for his senior year. Uh, you know, he could uh, declare for the draft or he could come back, but there's potential loss of three guys, so they certainly need to continue to recruit. Uh, and uh, and to develop depth, no question about that. So, uh, but uh, I think that first team is pretty well decided along that offensive line. Now they just need to keep them healthy and you know protect Tua uh, and Jalen uh, with the uh, we you know with uh, you know uh, that's the utmost of uh, you know uh, responsibility. They've got to protect the quarterback and keep them healthy. Certainly, we believe Tua is the starter. Uh, he has not turned the ball over in any of the scrimmages, either one. Jalen Hurts bounced back, did not have any turnovers yesterday, uh, and would be a very, very solid backup at this point. From what we understand, not a lot of action out of Mac Williams, uh, or excuse me, uh, and uh, Mac uh, Jones, sorry. Uh, he got a little bit of action, but he's the third guy. And then, you know, just a, a couple of series uh, from Lane Hatcher and Braxton Barker. So uh, the, the, the uh, top two QBs saw the majority of the action with Tua Tungvaloa getting that start. Uh, and then rotating with Jalen Hurts, but Tua uh, really finishing strong, and then Jalen having uh, his best scrimmage in a long time. Of course, that does raise concerns about the depth on defense, but that's something that will continue to get better as the season goes along because, as I've also said, uh, this defense will not have to face uh, the surgeon, as I call Tua, you know, during the regular season during games. <laughs> uh, Tua is certainly a unique talent at the quarterback position, 
someone that can make NFL throw after NFL throw uh, and is very, very good. And so, uh, you know, just don't, don't, you know, like William said, don't panic. This is still going to be a really good defense, I think. But you got to remember, Tua also made this defense look bad last year uh, at times. Uh, there was a, and they were a very, very good unit. Of course, that story that has been leaked this week, we already heard, we've talked about it on the show, those three practices when Jalen Hurts had the flu where Tua took all the reps in New Orleans. And now Nick Saban admits to the media this week, 54 out of 58 is what he went in those three practices, which is insane considering that was a veteran secondary with the likes of Minka Fitzpatrick, Anthony Averett, and Levi Wallace in it. So he's a unique talent. It's a you know certainly a, an exciting time to be an Alabama fan. And this offense seems to have unlimited potential. To go back to something we previously talked about, Devontae Smith had that long catch early. He was targeted again. He kind of got, from what we understand, shaken up. It's a little bit of an ankle situation. He left and then came back. Uh, and then, uh, and then uh, was, did not take any more reps. But, Thomas, I know you mentioned this previously. Uh, we are hearing a lot of good things around, about Terrell Shavers, uh, and that's big for Alabama as they start developing him and Jalen Waddle getting acclimated quickly, even hearing about the big play from Xavion Marks and a touchdown from Keith. This is a, a wide receiver uh, room right now that's got seven guys. That's very encouraging. It, it absolutely is. And – it, now, now the question becomes, you know, how, how <laughs> it's kind of like this past season uh, with the running backs. There's still only one ball, and <laughs> unfortunately or fortunately, some of the scuttlebutt that came out at the end of last year was frustration in that wide receiver room with Jalen Hurts' inability to distribute the ball. So there's a lot of talent, and I'm sure there are probably a hundred schools that would love to have this this Alabama first world problem. Now it becomes it's the curiosity is there's still only one ball and everybody has the ability to make plays. Does some kind of frustration set in? I somehow doubt it. As long as everybody feels like if they go out and run a precise route and get open, Tua will be able to find them. But that feeling that that has to crystallize you know i don't mean to be a debbie downer you know be the be the voice of you know cautious eh, i don't know on the show but it, it it's a good thing that wide receivers are developing and it's certainly a great problem to have to have seven or eight guys because you know think about it you've got the super sophomores you've got tyrell shavers you've got jalen waddle and let, let's let's keep going down the list. We haven't even talked about guys like Irv Smith, who, based on, you know, I had a guy send me a text message from the scrimmage. He had one crazy catch and run. Miller Forrestal, who tore an ACL last year, is back. And you know, a guy that I believe was reported to have two touchdowns in last week's scrimmage in Kedrick James, you know, that's just more guys to, for Alabama to put out in patterns to catch balls it's a great situation to be in for this Alabama Crimson Tide coaching staff. And, you know, I like – I thought Mike Loxley did a great job holding the team together during some, uh, let's call it unpleasantness, towards the end of the year. And I expect him to be able to carry on that this year. So it's a good spot to be in for this entire pass-catching group, wide receivers and tight ends, Drew. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's no question about it. And we are hearing that Irv Smith probably made most of those plays with that group. Uh, with, with, now, Hell Hinges, when they went with one tight end, he did start. Uh, and then he only he did most of his damage with the twos and, and some with the threes. But uh, Kedrick James made another couple catches. And just from people we're speaking with, Kedrick James with another year of development. Certainly, Hell Hinges is a senior. Irv Smith has earned the trust of the coaches. But they feel like he has the most talent of anybody in the wide, or in, excuse me, in the tight end room. And they feel like, within a year he is going to be the perfect combination for them as far as an every down type tight end because Irv Smith is a good blocker but he is a little bit smaller than a guy like Hinchis or James uh, they think James can develop into that all-around tight end they certainly like Miller Forrestal as an H-back type and they certainly like uh, Irv Smith especially the fact that he can make guys miss he's shifty uh, he's he's kind of a, a uh, 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 you know, a, a perfect uh, hybrid H-back and regular tight end. He's kind of the, 
perfect. He's, he's, he's between both of them, but certainly with so much talent. Uh, and he will be back next year as well. Uh, so the only one they'll be losing out of the group would be Hell Hinges, and they would still have Major Tennyson. And they're certainly going to sign the young man out of Chicago uh, to be a part of the class, uh, you know, in, uh, in, in, uh, in the, yeah, this coming class, yeah, in the 2019 group. So tight end's going to be loaded. They've got a lot of weapons there. Hopefully that position will be more utilized uh, under uh, Dan Enos. We know he loves tight ends. And with Tua Tungvaloa at quarterback, so you're right, Thomas. It's, there's a lot of possibilities there for a lot of big plays to be made. Uh, and uh, it's, a, it's a group that's a really, a really, really coming along nicely. And I think they can be a big factor, especially in the red zone uh, down there. And, and, and then the t- t- on these third and fives and things like that, they're going to be tough to stop, I think, uh, moving the change, no doubt about it. But now to go back to you, William, um, you know, obviously this defense is going to be a work in progress, but I think one thing we are continuing to hear, you've talked about him ad nauseum, Quinnen Williams. He's been playing inside quite a bit, doing a great job. Uh, they've got Isaiah Bugs, They've got Raekwon. As expected, I don't think there was too much action between Isaiah and Raekwon. You know, they know what they have there, but still we're hearing a lot of good things about LeBron Ray and even Johnny Dwight, Tavita Masaika. I think Coach Cool is starting to develop his defensive line into a pretty nice group. Yeah, and I think it all starts and stops with Raekwon Davis. I mean, let's let's not forget what we saw in the spring, um, and we heard from sources about him being unblockable, talking about Raekwon Davis. Um, you know, and I, I would relate that back to, you know, the same thing that, that we've heard from, you know, Ibaye and Noma. Uh, you know, during fall camp, you know, the only guy that can handle both of those guys one-on-one is Jonah Williams. So um, th- there's a pretty good chance that not a lot of other teams are going to be able to block them one-on-one. So, you know, when you've got a guy that, that you know, is kind of the alpha dog up front in Raquan Davis, and you've got another guy that, that some people think, um, and Isaiah Bugs, that's a late-round, first-round draft pick, and then the next guy up, and Quentin Williams, and then you've got those two former five-star linebackers um, inside and, and, and uh, Mac Wilson and, and uh, Dylan Moses. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of unneeded panic, in my opinion, from the Alabama fan base about what this defense, you know, can and can't do. I mean, I get it. Um, you know, there's still a, the unknown about how Tosh LaPoy can handle the calls, but the talent is certainly there. And uh, the schedule dictates that there's a chance for it to continue to develop throughout the course of September and October. And that's the way I expect it to to, uh, play out. I mean, you know, you've got, uh, you know, a Noma, uh, you've got Patrick Sertain, you've got another guy like Josh Job that could factor in. You know, there's, there's plenty of bodies there for, you know, that Alabama defense. You just have to hope that, there isn't another season-ending injury with the outside linebacker group that encompasses right now Christian Miller and Anthony Jennings being the alpha dogs there. Yeah, they certainly are the alpha dogs, and no doubt about that. Uh, and the, I think Miller's going to be one of the big-time team leaders. Anthony Jennings going to SEC Media Days. Both those guys are going to be very, very important. Uh, and, William, I also think it's going to be important to continue to develop the uh, the backup inside backers, uh, you know, Markel Benton flashed a little bit yesterday from what I understand. He's somebody uh, that's a redshirt freshman from Central Phoenix City that they're counting on. Also, uh, we, we know that uh, they like Jalen Moody. Uh, he, he's, uh, he's just a young, true freshman, but he has shown a lot of potential already. And then Joshua McMillan, much like Jamie Mosley, is going to be a program guy, someone that they can trust that should know the defense help the others learn it as well. He will be solidly in that rotation and getting a few snaps per game. And then uh, and then, and then just talking to people about what they saw out of Brandon Ale Keho. Uh, Ale Keho is a guy that uh, he did look from what, uh, from, uh, you know, the, that like he was well put together, a legit 220 pounds. He'll certainly put more weight on as Coach Scott Cochran gets him and is able to transform him. But uh, he's uh, he, there was a lot of rumors about weight loss and about some maybe not coming in as physically ready 
uh, as uh, some were hoping, but that seems to be false. Just uh, from people that saw him said he looked really good physically, very quick, very fast, just has to learn that defense. But I'm going to be really excited to see kind of how those young guys develop behind Mac Wilson and Dylan Moses. No, and I would agree. And I think the, uh, you know, the, the label that you heard when, when, you know, the Cahew, uh, you know, transfer came into play was, you know, that he was suffering from uh, massive depression um, over the, the lack of getting into Washington. Um, that, you know, he had, you know, had a breakup with his girlfriend um, and, you know, had, had lost a lot of weight and stuff. And, you know, the, the pictures that I saw from the first two weeks of him being at Alabama, if that's depression and that's uh, – getting broken up with your girlfriend, I'll sign up for that body tomorrow. <laughs> Great point. Uh, no question about that. Um, you know, you, you hear all this stuff, and, you know, it's all rumors on the Internet, Drew, and you just you, you, when you sit there and you see the, the finished product live, you're like, you know, how was this ever considered a negative? Um, but, but, you know, I, I think this Alabama team, this 2018 Alabama team, um, it's loaded on offense. You know, you, you all know the working parts. It's the three former five-star wide receivers. Um, it's, it's you know, Tua Tungavailoa with, with, you know, Damian Harris, Josh Jacobs, and Najee Harris, you know, at the running back positions with that big, strong Alabama offensive line up front. And, you know, then you've got the, uh, you know, the front seven guys that are so elite. Um, you know, I, I get it. I understand the, uh, um, you know, the question marks about, you know, can Tosh LePoy make the calls at the right time? But I'm going to say that he can. Um, but I, I just don't understand the, the hesitation or the angst of, of Alabama fans, you know, going into this first game versus Louisville. This game will be over with at halftime. I promise you it will be. Well, it's going to be interesting, too. And I was going to bring Thomas back into the conversation because of the secondary. A lot of young guys back there. They lost all six starters. It still looks like they do like their top five. Uh, certainly Savion Smith and Trevon Diggs. Savion right corner, Diggs left. Uh, and then as Xavier McKinney, who I'm hearing so much good things about from the standpoint of leadership, preparation. Uh, Xavier McKinney, the sophomore from Roswell, Georgia. And then uh, the redshirt junior, Deontay Thompson at the other safety. And then Shaim Carter at the nickel. Uh, and then what's interesting, Thomas, is we had seen Shaim with the safeties during the media viewing period this week. And now, from what we understand, what that was the foreshadowing of is, of course, Daniel Wright has a shoulder injury. He's a little bit limited. Uh, certainly, Jared Maiden has improved. But it looks like with Shaim Carter's versatility, they would like him to be the third safety. And when they go to dime, uh, they would you would see Patrick Sertain Jr. Uh, at the uh, nickel spot, but uh, we know these guys are young; they're going to make mistakes. But it looks like that that's what they'd like to do as of right now with their top six DBs. And, and Drew, I've heard very similar. And just to touch on a guy like Pat Sertain, it was never a question of him being able to contribute for Alabama, maybe even this year it was a question of when the the proverbial light bulb would go on enough to where coaches would trust him to go out there. Right. And he's already managed he's working his he's managing to work his way into certain packages which great and I think there's confidence that they're they have a good group for the first group and the second group is full of young guys, full of guys that have been on campus for the grand total of three months, by and large. So with, with all of those parts going on, yeah, they need some seasoning. A again, looking at this team, you expect a large portion of contributions to come out of the 2017 group and the most recent 2018 group. And in both of those cases, they're fantastic athletes. They're proving themselves to be very good football players. But like most 18 or 19 year olds whether it's studying computers like i deal with every every day it seems or playing football they just need some seasoning now how do they get seasoning well they get in scrimmages for one but then they occasionally make boneheaded mistakes 
in a game and they get corrected and they don't do it again. So, you know, I, I understand, William, to your point, the, the, the chicken littles of the Alabama fan base where, you know, oh, because of the bad pass rush and the young secondary, Alabama's just going to start losing games left, right, and center. No, 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 no. There, there will be an occasional headache and somebody will make a mistake and the vein on Nick Saban's forehead will come out a few more centimeters after they make the same mistake again. But that's okay. That should be expected this year. And again, it's not a bad spot to be in. And even if, you know, the sky does fall for a weekend, the offense is still going to be flying along at a very high level, being able to hit you from a multitude of positions. So, eh, you know, if if they're going back to what I said about the wide receivers, Drew, there are 100 football programs that would absolutely kill for even two or three of the guys that Alabama's going to deploy, let alone all six. Yeah, I don't think there's great any doubt. Yeah, yeah, go ahead, William. No, I was just going to say, great point. Um, you know, but that's that's the thing that I love to go back to with my, my Georgia fans um, about the second half of the Alabama-Georgia uh, National Championship is that basically they got roughed up and, 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 and murked by Alabama's second-team offense. I mean, you had Alex Leatherwood at left tackle. Um, you had Tua Tungavaloa at quarterback. You had Najee Harris plus the three wide receivers. Um Let's don't discount what this offense can do, especially once this, you know, team, which we're talking about now, kind of transitions from fall camp um, in the next two weeks. That's what's going to happen. It's going to transition from, you know, you had Jalen Hurts and Tua Tungavailoa swapping reps. Um, you know, you had the offensive line experiments that, that you know, involved, uh, especially on the right side with Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, maybe even Matt Womack. That, that's all going to settle in, and they're going to get comfortable. Um, there's going to be a permanent product there that, that settles in, and they're going to have two weeks to settle in before they face Louisville. And that's when we're going to have to wait and see um, what, what this – you know, 2018 Alabama offense looks like. There's no doubt that uh, it's exciting to think about. And I think another guy to watch, especially with uh, Daniel Wright uh, with his shoulder situation, uh, I was, you know, told, uh, you know, uh, by some sources that the staff is really high on Kyrie McDonald. He had a near interception yesterday from what I understand. And Kyrie is a redshirt freshman from James Clements. He may not run as fast as some, but very smart, very instinctive, hard worker. And I think more and more he will get reps and has a very bright future uh, at Alabama. Look for him to be, you know, heavily involved as well. Sertain, uh, and I think uh, has, has shown an outstanding uh, and studious work ethic to be expected with who his father was and, and the way he's grown up around football. So these guys are going to make mistakes, but they're very talented. And I think – by the middle of the season, this is this can be a very good secondary once uh, they get on the same page and they become very confident. Because, like Nick Saban has said, ten guys can do the right thing, and if one makes a mistake, uh, you know certainly it can be trouble for this defense. But I do think it's still going to be a, a top twenty defense. Uh, we're not expecting Alabama uh, to give up a ton of points um, on, in during most in most cases uh, during uh, the SEC season. Because first of all, this offense is going to be very potent and going to, you know, uh, and, and be able to be balanced, and they're going to possess the football. But I think also, uh, while you know they may give up some big plays, they're also going to make some with uh, Raquan Davis, with Isaiah Bugs, with this linebacker core, this foursome that they have healthy now, and force some turnovers and put some teams in a bad position, uh, no doubt about it. But to circle back to something we were talking about at the beginning of our podcast. Uh, Bams Radio tonight. Uh, just very encouraged by the kickers, as I said, just from what we've heard from the two scrimmages. Looks like Temple's Austin Jones uh, is the real deal, uh, and is and it could easily be the starter in this situation. Uh, of course, that's no disrespect to Joseph Belovis. Uh, uh, you know, he's I think he's done a nice job too, but he could uh, you know kick off. From what we understand, the punting was not as good as it had been last week. 
but Mike Bernier, uh, the senior from Bob Jones, who also had a good day last week, was not there. Uh, and thoughts and prayers to his family. His mother lost a long-time battle with cancer uh, this past week, so as expected, not, not surprisingly, Mike wasn't there. He should be back next week. Uh, but uh, Skylar DeLong was a little up and down. Uh, but still had some moments, and I still think he's going to be okay. Uh, but that's a, yeah, a little bit of an uneasy feeling. But overall, the special teams is probably in as good a shape, and you heard Nick Saban say that this past week, uh, as, as it has been in a long time. And that's certainly to the credit of Jeff Banks, who was hired away from Texas A&M and pulled the double whammy. He's done a great job coaching, but also recruiting, and I think was a big reason why Jalen Waddell ended up going uh, to the University of Alabama. And certainly Bama fans over the next three to four years will be thankful for that based on what we've heard out of Jalen Waddell and what he did yesterday, probably the MVP of the scrimmage. But going back to you, Thomas, uh, I'll bring you in. You've seen the disaster that Alabama's kicking game has been in the past. What are your thoughts on what you heard about the kicking game? And uh, I'm hearing that it's very solid right now, as solid as it's been in a while, but just your thoughts on what you're hearing from that third phase. Well, you know, it, the Alabama field goal kicking uh, concept, the team over the past, you know, call it almost since Nick Saban came there, but you know, that's, that's a bit of a stretch, has been a lot less – solid and a lot more Jesus take the wheel. Uh, I admit, you know, looking around, talking to some folks, the, uh, the, the, the there was a, a, you know, someone shot me a message. Yeah, man, uh, the, the Alabama made a 50 yard field goal. And uh, I, I, my immediate reply was bullshit. But uh, <laughs> I, I mean, it, 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 this is, this is, pirate radio we can say those things but <laughs> you know all joking aside it's very encouraging you know the third nick saban as a football coach is so big on complementary football offense plays a certain way to protect the defense the defense plays a certain way to protect the offense and the kicking game plays a certain way to set both of those up sets the table for success whether it be good punts with solid coverage or scoring opportunities, et cetera, et cetera. And there will be football games where it will come down to field goals or a kick or something like that. And the more faith that the coaches have in that unit, the better. And for water cooler fans, same concept. Not as, not as big a deal, but the same concept. So... You know, what, what is a good kick, you know, being able to send a field goal kicker out and feel confident inside of 40 and at least have, you know, a toss-up 50, 60, 70% shot beyond that. Well, the offense is going to get inside the opponent's 30 pretty often. I think everybody on the show would agree to that. Well, you know, you only have to get inside the 30 a couple of times to get six points. And uh, six points will win you a lot of football games, everything else being even. So for place kicking, very positive. Uh, the punting situation, the what I heard, Drew, was Skyler Long had a couple of boomers where he just completely outkicked his coverage, but he kicked it into the, you know, he kicked it almost into Northport. And then a couple that were painfully off the side of his foot, and uh, suddenly, you know, Nick Saban's hat goes flying, and they're colorful metaphors, and uh, they had to do it again because they did it wrong. So, remains to be seen with punting, but in terms of place kicking, you have to feel really good that instead of, great, Alabama's kicking another field goal, you have, okay, Alabama has a good chance to make this field goal this year. So, not all roses, but certainly more positives than negatives based on what I heard. Yeah, there's you know, there's no doubt about it. And I guess as we're winding down BAM's radio, I wanted to go over my grades from what I heard from the scrimmage and get your both of your inputs on this and your thoughts. And first we'll go to William, and then we'll go to Thomas. Uh, just from what I heard, I would give the quarterbacks an A. I think both of them were very good. And I uh, and I know five played, but the top two that uh, are going to see the the majority of your of your reps probably this season. Uh, you know, uh, uh, with uh, with Tua Tagovailoa and Jalen Hurts, should you know uh, no attrition happen, and, and uh, I think with those two guys, 
that's that, that's your solid one and two. Uh, wide receivers an A minus. Uh, certainly there were a couple of drops, but still a lot of big plays made by these young men. Uh, running backs a B uh, because they did have a uh, there was a there was a fumble by one of the backups, and certainly uh, they didn't run the football a lot, so it's hard to give them an A. So uh, they did run the football more than last week, from what I understand, but still not uh, a big feature of the offense. Uh, and then the offensive line, a B, because they did give up some sacks. And you have to factor in the second unit along with that first group. Uh, the tight ends, a B, because they didn't have a lot of big plays. But certainly from what we understand, Irv Smith did a nice job. Defensive line, a B. I could have said B+. Plus, uh, but certainly when you give up those big plays, uh, with when you're talking, when you have to factor in the second and the third groups, uh, it wasn't going to be an A. The linebackers, a solid B as well. Uh, even though they did lose Chris Allen and he didn't participate, uh, but, but certainly uh, when the when the defense gives up a lot of big plays, it's hard to to give us a, a, a position in A and then a C minus for the secondary because I think as Nick Saban even said they missed a lot of assignments, especially the younger guys. So that's a work in progress. And then kicking game a B would have been an A, but as Thomas said, you just heard him uh, from what we understand, Skyward along was up and down while the rest of the special teams was very solid. But, William, uh, I, I, you know, I just went kind of through some grades that I was giving the squad based on what I was hearing. What are your thoughts on some of that? You know, I want to wait and see how they match up, you know, with, with Louisville and mm-hmm. the early teams and their schedule. Um, and that's just I for that one scrimmage, I, by the way, everybody. I, I'm not no, saying no, no, that's no. this point, Paul, just for the scrimmage. No, no, I understand. But, but I, I still think – um, even with the injuries to some, some backup guys, that this is the most talented team uh, that Nick Saban has put on the field. And, and you know, my evidence for that, that that people need to look at is the, the 2017 recruiting class that encompasses, you know, Tua Tungabaloa, you know, Najee Harris, Jedrick Wills, Alex Leatherwood, the list goes on and on. Um I think this is going to be, you know, his most talented team, especially offensively. And I think they are going to run people off the field, especially in the first half. And we're going to have to wait and see how Nick Saban, you know, chooses to manage this whole deal. We don't don't know that at this point. You know, we've got some empirical evidence that, that, you know, shows us from the past how he's done it. But he hasn't been this talented. And uh, I think they are going to absolutely, especially in the months of September and October, leading up to that gauntlet in, in November with LSU and Auburn, um, they've got plenty of time to, um, you know, get it right and, and, you know, get it guided where, you know, people aren't putting balls in windows that can become pick sixes. But I, I just think they're going to be so much more talented uh, than the teams that they play. Uh, I think they're 25 points better than everybody they're going to play up until the month of November. Very interesting. What about you, Thomas? Well, individual units, you know, based again off what we've heard, I think the quarterbacks deserve an A. You know, with, you said it yourself, Drew. Jalen Hurts had 200 yards passing in the first half hour, 45 minutes of a scrimmage. Uh, did did Jalen Hurts have 200 yards passing at all last year? Uh, I'd have to look, and I don't feel like Once doing that Once against right now. Mississippi State. Yeah, I- exactly. So, so you know, step in the right direction there, and Tua keeps doing Tua things. The offensive line, I, there was a lot. I, you know, from what I understand, there was a lot of shuffling going around. I'll give it a B. Wide receivers, I actually am going to give them an A because a couple of yeah. uh, – given, given, let's just call it, what we've seen, what's on tape of Jalen Hurts, occasionally wide receivers have to go out of their way to just kind of give them a little, give them a little help, give them a little assist. So I could certainly see a couple of those passes happening yesterday. Uh, having said all of that, uh, running backs, this wasn't – at times you know, what a couple of people said to me is that there was a lot of running, but – you didn't really see as much Damian Harris. You know what you have there, and Damian Harris is going to be the first guy. You know, first guy in. Najee Harris is still injured, 
And so, so you have a situation where it was almost it's almost like you need to give the running backs an incomplete. Josh Jacobs and Brian Robinson are good, but they're certainly not going to see the lion's share of the carries. At least I don't think so. Going over to defense, I thought the defensive line, from what I understand, was very solid. You know, one of the things, one of the themes that came out was the amount of duress. Even though quarterbacks were completing passes, they were solidly under duress throughout the throughout the scrimmage. Uh, I think the linebackers, you know, give me a give me a B minus. You know, one of the one thing that I saw a lot of, or saw a lot of, excuse me, heard a lot of, was crossers. So I think we got William getting out of his car, but uh, and then finally, special teams give me a B minus, and secondary you did give up a lot of yards, even though you're young. So give me actually, I'm going to be kind of cruel and give him a C plus there. But again, the team's still settling. It's still settling in. This was essentially everybody on everybody. You know, ones played ones, and ones played twos, and twos played threes, and twos played twos, and twos played ones. So. You know, it's not unfair to think that there are going to be some ups and there are going to be some downs. This team is certainly, I agree with Williams, 25 points better than Louisville, and I think they're more than that for other teams they're going to play. But, you know, golly, not great spot to be in for this Alabama football team, Drew. Yeah, it really is. It's a great spot to be in. And we got a small basketball update for everyone. Uh, Breaking today, he was never cleared medically to play at the University of Alabama. Uh, but he will now be given his full unconditional release and be headed to Baylor to play for Scott Drew, and that is point guard Jared Butler of Reserve High School uh, in La Reserve, Louisiana. He played at a private school there, uh, and uh, and was a very good player, but was never cleared medically. He is going to move on. Uh, really good shooter. Was hoping he'd be a part of the program, but Alabama knew this was coming. Uh, that's why Kyra Lewis uh, from my area and Hazel Green has. You know, reclassified, finishing high school a full year early. He signed this past Wednesday. He is, it was moving in this weekend and will go to his first day of class on Wednesday. This coming Wednesday at the Capstone, Kyra Lewis from Hazel Green, the five-star combo guard. Uh, he will enroll at Alabama and be part of the team this season. A great credit to him and his family uh, for doing that work in the classroom. Uh, he's not Colin Sexton, but he has as quick a first step as I've ever seen. He's in the ballpark from the standpoint of going end-to-end, 94 feet, very explosive athlete, uh, developing outside shot that's getting better and better, good driver, but he's only 160 pounds. Needs Ludanine, the strength coach, needs to put some weight on him. He's not as strong as Colin or as polished, but Colin had one more year of high school. But he certainly is a guy that I think in two to three years can be an NBA player. Uh, He'll certainly have an impact on this Alabama team. I think his initial role he needs to be developed as a point guard. He has not really distributed at Hazel Green. He's been a scorer. I think uh, you'll see Dazon Ingram be the point guard and be backed up by Avery Jr. And then Kyra be used as a scorer off the bench until he develops into that starting point guard. But certainly a quality addition for Alabama basketball. They have a lot of talent coming back. I have a chance to have a very deep team and make back-to-back NCAA tournament runs. So an exciting time to be a part of the Alabama basketball team. And now from my area of North Alabama, there's three stalwarts on the squad. John Petty, who will be a rising sophomore from Jemison High School in Huntsville. Kyra Lewis from Hazel Green. And then the returning senior, the, he redshirted last year back from injury, Riley Norris of Albertville. So very excited about Alabama basketball and wanted to give that quick update. And, of course, we really appreciate Thomas Watts and William Redfish Barger for giving their thoughts and the buzz we're hearing from Alabama's second scrimmage. We'll certainly be back next week to further, you know, continue to look at that Louisville matchup, maybe talk some recruiting, hearing some buzz on that end, and continue to talk fall camp. Hopefully these injuries will get, will finally, uh, you know, Alabama will can, can dodge that injury bug this next several days in practice as they continue to prepare for that September the 1st opener at Camping World Stadium in Orlando, Florida against Bobby Petrino's Louisville Cardinals. Coach Petrino coming out this week and saying they're going to beat Alabama. You know, uh, as we said, Dak... Uh, the Fitzgerald, their wide receiver, coming out and saying Alabama can't cover them. So certainly this Alabama team will not lack for motivation coming from Louisville. And what I see is, like William said, I see a mauling. And this, this Louisville team is probably going to regret that they did not keep their mouth shut. Uh, but I just uh, wanted to uh, you know, let everybody know that we appreciate them listening. 
Uh, BAMS Radio is a, uh, you know, a, a, a uh, point of passion for myself and Thomas. And we always appreciate William for taking time out of his busy schedule, especially on this weekend, to come uh, you know, speak with us tonight and give us the buzz coming from the second scrimmage of fall camp. We'll be coming to you next week. Everybody have you know, a great week coming up uh, and enjoy it. And can, we're all getting ready for football. It's definitely in the air. But everybody, good night and roll tide, and we'll talk to you next week. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.